guess we're not awake as yet, right? Good morning, church. Beautiful. Uh, Let us all stand as we read God's word this morning. It's taken from the book of Luke, uh, verses 43 to 56. So uh, as you turn to Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 8, I'm sorry, chapter 8, verses 43 through 56. Most important piece of information I left out, right? Chapter 8. Okay, uh, so let's read. Everybody got it? Say amen. Amen. Okay, so Luke chapter 8 verse 43 says, And a woman having an issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all her living upon physician, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody had touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, She came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith had made thee whole. Go in peace. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. And when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter and James and John, and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her, but he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. And he put them all out and took her by the hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and, her com- and he commanded to give her meat. Let us all read verse 56 in closing. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. May God add his richest blessing to the reading, the hearing, and the understanding of his holy and inspired word. Amen. 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 Thank you. We'll turn to Luke chapter 8, and we're going to read just one verse as we get into the message today. Verse 46 of Luke chapter number 8. And we do have in the back our October call to glories. And if you... If you've not used this, and if you're struggling with having your daily devotions, we, we need to be reading our Bible every day. And we need to be spending time in prayer. Open up your Bible every day. Don't miss it. God speaks to us. If you do miss it, then just don't worry. Don't kill yourself. Don't, you know, don't so be filled with guilt. Say, oh, I, can, I shouldn't be. No, go, re, do it the next day. Okay? But anyway... 
If you need help with that, this is a very good help. It's, it's a daily devotional guide. You can follow it along. We have them in the back. And maybe you have somebody on your job that is interested in reading the Bible. You could just take an extra copy. I'd rather have you give it out to a lost person as well than just them sitting on a table. So if you want to take another, don't, don't take all, there's not that many for you to take like 10, but maybe take out one and say, I'm going to give this to, prayerfully give this to somebody and they could have their devotions. Okay. Luke chapter 8, verse number 46. Let's read that verse together as we begin our message today. Luke chapter 8, verse 46. Let's read it out loud. And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. So now, Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You, Jesus Christ, that You are our risen Savior. And just like this woman made personal contact with You, our personal Savior, so we can as well. And Lord, we thank You for these beautiful stories of the Bible where we see ourselves, where we put ourselves in this woman's place. And we want to think that if we were in this woman's condition at this time when this woman lived, that we would be pushing our way through the crowd to touch you. But Lord, we weren't there. But we are here. And so help us to push through all the stuff that's all around us to get to you. And to make personal contact with you, our personal Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want you to underline that phrase in verse 46. It's very powerful. Somebody hath touched me. Somebody. And I just have this question. Will you be that somebody? Are you that somebody? Somebody is going to get to Jesus Christ. Will it be you? That somebody could be your body. Getting to Jesus Christ. So here was a vast multitude of people. It says they pressed upon Jesus like, like grapes would be pressed in a wine press. People were pressing on Him. They were squeezing Him. It says the multitude was thronging Him and crowding Him and pressing Him. But only one touched Him. So here we are in church, a gathering a congregation. But that doesn't mean you're, gonna, you're actually reaching out. Lord Jesus, I need You. I need Your power. I'm going to touch You today, though no one else will. Somebody have touched me, Jesus said. And He knows. He knows when someone touches Him. And so, yes, Lord, we say today, I want you to cry out in your heart. Yes, Lord, I want to be. I must be. I got to be. That's somebody. This story is such a beautiful picture. And so many of these gospel stories I love. They're some of my favorites in all the Bible is the gospel stories of Jesus. And we see ourselves there and we see our Savior. We see His wonderful grace and work. And it shows His wonderful salvation. And we've often heard it said that Jesus Christ, have you ever told somebody, Jesus Christ is my personal Savior? You ever said that, somebody? Is that biblical to say, do you think? Does it say in the Bible, does that phrase, Google the phrase in the Bible, personal Savior, do you think you'll find that phrase in the Bible? No, you won't. But it's a very 
clear concept of the Bible from stories like this, that this woman touched Jesus Christ. She made personal contact with Him because He is a personal Savior. And in the story connecting with this Jairus' daughter, He touched Jairus' daughter. So He touched Jairus' daughter and raised her up because He's a personal Savior. He's a personal friend. So yes, I think it's a biblical for us to say Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. Because this story shows how this woman made such real personal contact with Him. So this is a beautiful picture of salvation, isn't it? I mean, she was helpless, she was hopeless, and sin was like a disease that had wasted her, and, and she had spent everything she had. There was no cure from anything uh, in life, she had looked for cures everywhere she could possibly find. And there was no cure except when she reached out to Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. He is the only Savior from sin. He is the only one who died on the cross. He died on the cross so that we don't have to die and go to hell for all eternity. Pure and simple. We're sinners. And the penalty of our sin is death. And the wages of sin is death. Ultimate separation from God that will lead us to a lake of fire. And whenever you feel discouraged, just say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me because I deserve a lot worse than this. <laughs> I deserve to be in the lake of fire. But Jesus Christ took the lake of fire on the cross. That's what He was doing on the cross. He was, as it were, in a lake of fire for us. Burning for our sin in darkness and separation from God. But he died, and he died, and he rose again. He's alive, and we can reach out and touch him today by faith. Personal contact with our personal Savior. Now I love this picture. I don't know if you could see that hand at the bottom. Can you see that? The reason I, I, I chose this picture when I, I looked for a picture to illustrate this message is, well, yesterday when we were driving home, and our Uber driver. And he was a well, actually, he's really nothing but his wife is a very strict Muslim. His name is Muhammad, so you know his background. But he didn't really follow religion. And he said, I don't have the time. And he's so busy and he's so stressed with life and time. To him, religion, he just couldn't, he didn't have time for any religion because he says, and he emphasized it, I don't have the time. And we said, we understand that it does take time. To follow the Lord. But ultimately, we're talking about a relationship. But when I see this picture, I, I just see the busyness of life. I see the rush of life as Jesus Christ is, He's moving and she's moving and reached out at just that moment and touching the hem of His garment and she was healed. Don't be too busy to have a relationship with the one who created you and the one who loves you so much. So we can make personal contact with our personal Savior. That's the message. Personal contact with our personal Savior. And the first thing I want us to see from this is you can make this contact with Jesus. You can have personal contact with Jesus even if you have a long trail of failure up to this moment in time. Maybe you feel that everything you've tried has just not worked. 
Maybe you even feel you've tried to seek God. You've tried to read the Bible. You've gone to church. Maybe you've gone to different religions. But there's a trail of failure in your life. So this woman had a trail of failure. Now, this story, of course, is told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I'd like for us to go back to Mark here, because Mark tells some interesting things that Luke and Matthew don't don't share. That's why we have three accounts of it. Go go back to Mark chapter 5, please, and verse number 26. Mark chapter 5, verse 26, where it says this certain woman had this issue of blood, some internal bleeding. Ladies, you understand uh, about this, these, these kinds of bleedings that can go on in a woman's body because of her female organs. God has made male and female. And this woman had an issue of blood. By the way, a man cannot have an issue of blood. I'll just say it straight up. A man, this is going to be really controversial today, but a man doesn't get pregnant either. Amen? <laughs> I mean, that's controversial to say. I never thought that would be controversial, but, but it is, so, so to speak. But here we have two, these genders are in the Bible. And you don't make up your gender. You are a gender. You are either male or female, and God gave you that gender. And, and here it is. This certain woman, she had an issue of blood for 12 years. And it says she suffered many things of many physicians. So in this trail of failure, we see that she suffered. She had an exhausting search. She suffered. It says through many difficulties. So maybe your trail of failure has been exhausting. And it says she suffered. That word suffer is actually the word used for the suffering of Jesus Christ for us. She suffered through difficulties. She was a woman. Maybe she didn't feel strong. Maybe she woke up that day and she said, I don't think I can go anywhere. But she heard that Jesus Christ was there and she said, this is my one and only opportunity to reach out and touch Him. So it says she suffered. And that to me speaks of the exhaustion that she probably felt. The pain that she lived with. And then it says she suffered many things of many physicians, many things, many physicians. Many try, many people try many different things before they finally make it to Jesus. She tried many things. She tried many doctors. She went to many, many different physicians and made an extensive search for healing. How can I get healing? And she looked everywhere she possibly could. And that's the way... People in our city, man, there's people in our city that are just here searching. A lot of people come here just to say, I gotta come to New York, gotta see what it's like. I gotta I wanna I wanna experience the night the nightlife, the club life. And so they go out to the clubs and they go they're, they're make they're an extensive search. And many people come here after a few years, okay, been there, done that, bucket list, check it off, move on to some other town. Many people say, well, I'm single, so maybe it's marriage. And they try marriage. And then after a few years of marriage, they say, no, this isn't it either. I'm checking out of here. Divorce. I'll move on. Many people try gangs. I spoke to a young man one time. He said he was a member of the Bloods. And he said that it stood for brotherly love overcoming our depression. You didn't know Bloods was all about brotherly love. But for him, it was. It was about that community and connection with other young men who probably have felt a lot of rejection in their life. 
People make extensive search. They go to music and they, they try clubs and they do Broadway and they do sports and they do gangs and they do drugs and they, they drink and they try one beer after the other. What's the best beer? What's the best drink? Oh, and they try this. There's a lot of doctors to go to in your search. Dr. Worldliness. I'm going to search out all the things of the world. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Solomon said, he, he tried all the things of the world, but th- what was his conclusion? What was Solomon's conclusion when he tried everything to find some level of peace? He said, vanity of vanities. Life under the sun is just empty. That was his conclusion. Life under the sun without God is empty. Some people just try money and work. Extensive search. Exhausting Many things of many physicians. And that was also an expensive search. In Mark chapter 5, it says in verse 26, she suffered many things of many physicians, and then she spent all. She spent everything she had. It was an expensive search. You know, this world will bleed you dry and leave you empty. <laughs> and leave you in the same place where you've been the whole time and not, re- and not satisfy you and not heal you and, and give you what you really need. She spent all. No doubt some of the doctors she visited gave her high hopes. And with their high hopes, that means pay it out. Pay some high, high fees. But then she was highly disappointed because she spent all that she had High hopes only led to disappointment and poverty. Says so she was in the midst of all that, nothing bettered, but she actually grew what? Worse. They didn't even help her a little bit. She got worse. You know people like that, don't you? Or are you that person? What a search, what a trail of failure, exhausting. Extensive, expensive, but empty at the end. She spent freely but received no benefit. The doctors drained her money while she grew worse without any mercy, without any refunds or rebates. She couldn't sue them. You said this was going to do that and it didn't do it. I'm going to sue you. No. Doctors grew rich. She grew worse. And then finally poor. Some people will take your problems and profit off you while you grow worse. There's a lot of doctors like that in our culture, by the way. They will give you medicines for antidepressant depression and you will get worse as you take those medicines. You know, one of the leading causes of depression, they say, are antidepressant medications. I'm not making, I'm not a doctor and I'm not telling you what to do or what to take or what not to take. But I'm, I, am, I do always say be very careful about what you put in your body, whether it's food or whether it's drink or whether it's some form of drug or medicine. Because doctors are looking for clients and they're looking for clients that they can addict to their medicine so that you'll be back. And pharmaceuticals are the same. And we know that pharmaceuticals have a very evil intention, even in our day, as there's billions of dollars in now transitioning children and performing multi-million dollar uh, surgeries to emasculate boys and girls of their God-given 
organs that the Lord has given to them. And doctors will grow rich while you grow worse. So be careful. There are many doctors in this world like that who will gladly take your money, but you won't get any better. What a trail of failure. I have good news for you though. You can come to Jesus Christ. And your trail of failure could be over because He is the Lord. He loves you. And He says, come unto Me. And here's the good news. You can come to Jesus Christ and make real contact with Him. Not only if you've had a long trail of failure, but you can make contact with Jesus even if your faith is not perfect. Even if you have an imperfect faith. You might say, well, I will come to Jesus, but... my faith isn't strong. I'll work, i got to work on some things before I come to Jesus. We sing it all the time, just as I am. Come broken, and He'll mend you. Come empty, and He'll fill you. Come to Jesus, just as you are. Even with your faith imperfect. And one of my favorite verses in the Gospels is that man with the Son, when, when Jesus challenged his faith, and what did he say? He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. We're all there. None of us are perfect in our faith. Our faith wrestles with our doubt. And how like this woman we are. She believes, but her faith was imperfect. And I believe we see that in the text. Go back to Luke chapter 8, please, in verse 44. As she spent all her living, she could not be healed of any. She made an exhausting, extensive, expensive, and empty search. But she hears of Jesus. And it says in verse 44, and actually it says in all the Gospels, it says this about this woman. And it's interesting why it would say... It's inter- I love to compare when there's a story like this in more than one Gospel. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Go home and read all the accounts. And it's interesting to see the differences. They tell the, full, they tell the fuller picture. There's never a contradiction in those accounts. Now, the Bible does not contradict itself. It gives you more information, a fuller picture of what's going on. But then what's interesting when you compare these different accounts is what occurs, what appears in all the accounts, that's something I believe that's even something important that the Lord wants us to get. And what's important here that the Lord wants us to get is that technology always just goes on the blink. That's one of the things. (laughs) But it's in verse 44. And where do we see her imperfect faith? Hello, guys. We'll get it worked out because we have our experts on this. Okay. Okay. So um, I'm over there. Okay. It says in verse 44, it says, She came behind Him and touched the border of His garment. She came behind Jesus. I believe that shows her imperfect faith. She didn't want to be noticed. She had a personal issue going on. I mean, this is not something that you want everybody to necessarily know about. She probably suffered in a lot of loneliness. This is not something that women talk to just everybody about. She had a personal situation of this internal bleeding. And 
So she came in behind Jesus so that she could get, get the healing if, if he could do it. And she believed, yes, I believe he can. Maybe she wasn't sure, but yes, she was doing it, pushing her way through this crowd of people, this, I'm sure, somewhat emaciated, weakened woman from 12 years of sickness, and yet she was able to get to Jesus in, in, in spite of her weakness. But she came in behind Jesus to say, I want to get healed, and then I just want to get out of there. I don't want anybody to know what's going on. So she came in behind Jesus, so she could leave unnoticed. It's kind of like the dog that wants to show up at your barbecue. You know, and you put the hamburgers that you just cooked out on the, on the table, and you turn around, and the dog was waiting for that. And you turn around and then the dog jumps on the table and he takes a few hamburgers and he like runs away and he, he hopes you don't notice that, you know. And you notice it, but whatever. So that's kind of what she's like. She's a starving soul who needs help. And she comes in behind Jesus to obtain her desire, but to leave without giving Him any praise. And so, she came in behind Jesus, shows her imperfect faith. That's the, thir- the first thing. She came in from behind Jesus. The second thing is, she denied touching Jesus when confronted. So in the next verse of Luke 8, verse 45, Jesus said, who touched me? And it says, when all denied, that includes who? (laughs) This woman. She touched Jesus, and what did she say about that? Who, me? I didn't touch him. What do you call that? She lied. Thou shalt not. (laughs) It shows God's mercy. She denied. Well, one of the disciples who probably said, oh yeah, here it is. When everyone denied, Peter said, Peter, he, he thinks he knows better than Jesus sometimes. Isn't that amazing? But isn't that just like you? You think you know, if well, if I were Jesus, I wouldn't have done it that way. Well, you're not Jesus, so don't, don't, don't worry about it. He'll do it his way. But Peter said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee. And sayest thou who touched me? So the one who is going to deny the Lord is saying, Nobody's, nobody touched you, but she denied touching him when in fact she did. She touched him and she denies it. I don't indict this woman too much. Because if I were in her shoes, I would have perhaps done the very same thing that she did. But this shows us the weakness of man, but the the mercy of God to endure our, our weak faith because He's so good and gracious. But this woman pressed through that crowd. And she teaches us, though, the difference in spite of her weakness of faith. She shows us the difference between crowding Jesus and touching Him. And I want to be of those... Don't, don't, how many of you say, I want to be of those who don't just crowd Jesus, but I want to touch Him. I want to get to Him. I need Him. Can I see your hand? See, we're, we're this woman. That's why these stories are here. That's why they're so beautiful. 
That's why we can read them over and over again, by the way. The Bible's like no other book in the world. You know, some books you read it once, you put it down. Okay, I read that book. Not the Bible. The Bible, you read it once, you say, well, that was good. I need to read it again. And God keeps speaking to your heart through these stories. So we need to get to Jesus. We need to touch the Lord. We need to do it because He's a great God. And He loves us so much. And in the midst of all this, yet she still believed. In Matthew... Why don't we go to Matthew so we go to the different accounts here at least one time. We went to Mark earlier. Go to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew actually... Here's, I think it's interesting that Mark has, is the shortest gospel. But when Mark deals with a story about Jesus, a narrative, sometimes it's the longest that, what, that, how that narrative is actually dealt with in the, in the gospels. Like this story... And it, Do you have it on your notes? Yeah. You have all the different verses here. You have Matthew, you have Mark, you have Luke on page 10 in your bulletin where the outline is. Matthew's just seven verses. And Mark is more than that. Nine, nine, nine verses. And Luke is six. So Mark, the shortest gospel, gives the longest account. That's so interesting. Anyway, go back to Matthew chapter 9. And we, we see how she believed, even though she came in behind him, even though she denied him, she still believed. Matthew chapter 9, look at verse 21. This woman came and touched, it says, the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, God knows our thoughts. <laughs> Her very thoughts are recorded in the eternal Word of God. She said within herself, If I may but touch His garment, I shall be whole. That's what she was saying to herself. I just want to get to the hem of His garment. And if I could touch His garment, I shall be whole. Is that faith? That is faith. Faith imperfect, but faith nevertheless. A faith that I would love to have like that, as she does. And so I say to you, get to Jesus. Reach out and touch the Lord. You know why? Because His Word encourages you to come to Him and reach out and touch Him. Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to Jesus. His Word invites you to come. The prophet Isaiah says, Oh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. If you have no money, don't worry about it. Come ye, come ye, buy and eat. Buy wine and milk without money, without price. God's Word is always inviting people to come. The very last chapter of the book of Revelation, the last chapter of the Bible, is an invitation for everyone, everyone who's thirsting. Are you thirsting? You can what? Come. Come. Touch Jesus. His Word, His love invites you to come. Jesus, the Savior of the world, is the lover of our souls. He died on the cross. He's not willing that any should perish. He will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Do you know how many times it says in the Bible, God is love? Do you know how many times it says that in the Bible? How many times is that phrase in the Bible? Do you know? You would think, because God is love, that it's a lot. But it's two. Two times. But that's enough. (laughs) If it said it once, you know what that would mean? God is love. 
But it says it twice. God is love. Do you know what chapter in the Bible that God is, where it says God is love? Twice? That's right. First John chapter 4. Or both them, the only time that phrase appears in the whole Bible, just like that. Now, of course, the teaching and the truth of God's love is throughout the Scripture. But His love invites you to come. His Word invites you to come. His commands invite you to come. His power invites you to come. Reach out and touch Jesus Christ. When she did, it says in our text, Jesus says, when people said, how do you, how do you, what do you mean? I'm touching, all kind of people were touching Him. He was being pressed and crowded. He was being touched. By that crowd. But not the way this woman touched him. Because when she touched him, look at, go back to Luke chapter 8. In Luke chapter 8, he says in verse 46, when somebody hath touched me, and the disciples questioned Jesus. But Jesus knew something had happened. Why? Because... When you deal with people, you give of yourself to them. And he gave of himself. You know what he gave, Charisse, to this woman who touched him? You know what he gave her? It says in Luke chapter 8 and verse number 46, what does it say that she received from Jesus? It says, virtue is gone out of me. Virtue is gone. And you know what the original language word is? You know the word. It's dunamis. Dunamis. Power. That's the word in Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ for it is the dunamis. The power of God unto salvation. Jesus said, power is gone out of me. And because the moment she touched Him, Immediately she was healed. Immediately that, that blood. And she felt that, that bleeding stop. And Jesus knew that power had gone out of him. Who touched me? Somebody has touched me. That's the difference between crowding Christ and touching him. But his power invites us. Lord, we, we want your power. We want your love. We come to you, Lord. Lord, we reach out and touch you today. Bring the healing. Bring the strength. Bring the encouragement. Bring healing in each individual life. Bring healing in our marriages, Lord God. Bring healing in, in, in the soul that is discouraged and defeated today, Lord. Please work. We reach out, Lord. We touch you today. And when you make that personal contact with Jesus, realize you can have a long trail of failure. And then realize you don't have to have a perfect faith. But then thirdly, realize you can't hide. You cannot hide. Will you receive His power for healing in salvation? Will you receive His power in salvation and then sneak away as if nothing happened? After she was healed, she tries to slip away unnoticed. That's what we see from the text. Somebody hath touched me. And she denied it, as we've said. But then it says in verse 47, when the woman saw that she was not hid. Hid from who? Could she hide from Peter? She could fake Peter out. Could she hide from Jesus? No. You can't hide from Jesus. 
He sees you and He sees me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, I love this. It says she came trembling and falling down before Him. Now she's working out her salvation with what? This is a good illustration. Working out your salvation with fear and trembling. She fell down and she declared unto Him, to Jesus, before all the people, for what cause she had touched Him. And how she had been, how she was healed immediately. Wow. Do you know what she does here? She tells her story. She tells her story. And if you have salvation in Christ, I say it this way if you have salvation in Christ in the spiritual sense, you've reached out and touched the Lord. And if you've, if you've been born again and delivered from death unto life, from the power of darkness to, to, to light, from the power of Satan unto God, if you've been delivered like that, you have a story. You have a wonderful story. You have a unique story that is beautiful like a snowflake. And you need to tell your story for His glory. Tell your story. You say, well, my story's not that interesting. Oh, it's absolutely interesting. There's no, one, there's no other story like it. You're the only one with that story. It's absolutely interesting. Well, I was saved when I was young. Praise God! What's the circumstances of that story? It's still unique and different. Others were, are saved when they're older. But if you're born again, you have a story. And it says, she told him before all the people what was the cause now i'm sure that this woman by her nature she was naturally timid that's and that, that's what i seem to get from this story that she was not one who wanted people to know about her private private matters and that's that's fine we understand that she was reserved maybe you could say she was even shy some people say well i'm just a shy person and I can't talk in front of other people. Well, here's a shy person who didn't think she could talk in front of other people, maybe. And she did. Because it's for the glory of God. It's not about you. So if you, you say, well, I'm shy and I, I can't talk. Take your eyes off yourself for a moment. And just think about how your story and what your words can do can bring glory to Him. It's not about us. I'm shy too, by the way. I'm not somebody that naturally goes and stands up in front of other people. I'm actually one who will go in front of other people and shake like a leaf. But God called me to preach, so I had to overcome that. So here's a story for all the shy people of the world who think their timid temperament can lead them to a life where they don't have to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Some people who are timid and shy think, well, I'll just slip away. Jesus has saved me, but I'll lead a quiet life. But no, Jesus does not permit that of this woman. And He doesn't permit it of you as well. Maybe you will have to share some personal details. But get, and be, be careful and be cautious what you share, so, so, so to speak, in a testimony. But give glory to God in your story. Jesus did not allow her to hide. She could not be hid. Jesus put her on the spot. 
Tell your story. For, and it's for His glory, and it's for her own growth. It's for her own good. So when you get baptized, guess what you have to do? You have to stand up in front of people. We, we make them give their testimony. Maybe you've got to do this. You know? But it's good. It's for your good. It's for the glory of God. And we like to hear you shaking in your boots a little bit when you get baptized. That's one thing when people get baptized, when they share their testimony. They always say to me, oh, Pastor, I'm nervous. Good. Yes. Now you know how I feel half the time in my life. <laughs> Give God the praise. Tell your story on your job. Tell your story in your neighborhood. Tell your story to the Uber man. My wife shared her testimony with the Uber guy last night. And he, he was like, Debbie asked him, does anybody ever talk to you about religion? He says, yeah, but I don't like it. Basically, I'm summarizing. He's like, yeah, but I don't like to talk about religion. So Debbie went right in and gave her her testimony anyway. <laughs> And, you know, after she gave her, her testimony, he said, oh, that was good. It wasn't that long. It was right to the point. Tell your story. It doesn't have to be long. It's for the glory of God. And now is not a time to hide. It says here, she saw that she was not hid. And in God's sight, we're not hid. We can't deny what He's done for us. We need to give Him the glory for what He's done. Amen? Amen. So I was reading yesterday in my Bible. Go back to 1 Samuel. It's such an interesting narrative here in 1 Samuel chapter 13. And this is in the days of, of Saul when he had taken over the kingdom. Things were already turning a little bit for Saul. But in verse number 6 of chapter 13, the people were discouraged after just the first year of his reign. And the Philistines had set up these strongholds. And, and there's such spiritual application here. I don't have the time to probably make the applications I'd, lo- I'd like. But it's like the Philistines, which represented the culture of Israel's world, had established strongholds. They called garrisons. So look at in the spiritual sense. It's like a Christian who's allowed worldly thinking to get strongholds in your life. So the Philistines had established these garrisons, these military strongholds throughout, to the point, look what it says in verse 6, and the Israelites had felt that they were so surrounded by the Philistines, and they were so distressed, what did they do? In 1 Samuel 13, you could talk to me, verse 6, I want you to find the answer. What did they do? Yeah, they, they hid. They went into hiding. Because the enemy was, was really in control here. So it says they hid themselves in the caves. They hid wherever they could find a hiding place. There's a rock. I'll hide under that rock. There's a cave. I'm running. I'm, I'm done. That's my cave. I'm, I'm going to hide there. You stay out of my cave. I want to hide there. That's my hiding place. And they were fighting over hiding places. In the high places, in the pits. They were hiding all over the place. Where's the Israelites? They're hiding. You know what people are saying about Christians today in our culture? Where's Christians? Oh, oh, they're afraid. Oh, they're distressed. Worldly culture, got a lot of garrisons, a lot of strongholds. Where are the Christians? They're hiding. <laughs> you know what I appreciate about Ken Ham and the Answers in Genesis ministry that we went to yesterday? They're not hiding. And that's... And, and Henry Morris, before, Dr. Uh, before Ken Ham, Henry Morris, who started the Institute of Creation Research, and 
Ken Ham started with him and branched off to start the amazing Answers in Genesis ministry. They're not ashamed. And thank God for ministries like that. They, they encourage us not to hide. And we don't have to be ashamed of our faith. And we, we know when, when we hear, when we have, we have the Word of God, we don't have to compromise the Bible with worldly thinking and worldly ideology and, and, and philosophy. We have the truth of the Word of God. So that's what it says there in chapter 13. Then Jonathan comes along. If you go to the next chapter, in chapter 14, it says, and this is for us here in New York City where we're a small number of a vast city of of unbelief and, and people who are against our way of life. And Jonathan said, we got to go fight these Philistines. They're controlling. They're all over the place. Our people are hiding and the Philistines are taking over. We've got to go fight them. And look what he says in verse 6. I love this, where Jonathan said to the young man, his armor bearer, said, come, let us go over. I'm in 1 Samuel chapter 14. Are you with me there? In verse 6. Come, let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be, it may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint for the Lord to save by many or by few. You don't have to be the majority for God to use you and do mighty things and work and do, do great and mighty things through you. you. It may be the Lord will work through the few as well as the many. There's no restraint of God to do great things through the few. I love that. God is not hindered by even one who will come out of hiding like Jonathan and his armor bearer. And so when they came, <coughs> excuse me, when they came to the Philistines, Look, please, in verse 11. I'll read verse 10 and then 11. It says, so Jonathan says to his arm bearer, he says, now come, let us go. Then will we go up, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. And both of them discovered themselves unto the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, read that with me. It says, behold, the Hebrews came forth out of the holes where they've hid themselves. That just hit me. You start witnessing for Jesus. People are going to be saying, what hole have you been hiding in? Have you been hiding in a hole? Do, do, do the people around you know that you are, a, you are a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ? Do they know that you believe that the Bible is the Word of God? Do they know that you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life and the Savior of the world? Are you ashamed to tell them you believe in a six-day creation? Are you ashamed to tell them you believe there was a universal flood that covered the earth? Are you ashamed to tell them that you believe Jesus Christ is going to come back in the clouds and His name is King of kings and Lord of lords and He's going to set up His kingdom in Jerusalem? Hallelujah. Let's not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is no time to hide. There's a, this, you know, the world has, has forced, it seems, and I shouldn't say forced, but the, the, the world has become so powerful in our culture that Christians have gone to hiding in holes. It's time to get out of our holes and speak up for Jesus. If this woman could do it, so can we. It's for His glory. And it's for your own growth. And then lastly, and I'll quit, is you can make real contact with Jesus and receive comforting words. So, what I did here, I did a little exercise. Remember I said how when a certain feature of that miracle appears in all the Gospel accounts, I pay attention to it. So here I put together, after she was healed, and then what Jesus said to her, 
and she received comforting words from the Lord. So, when you make personal contact with the Lord, He will comfort you. He will encourage you. And so, there are two words of comfort here that appear in all three of the Gospel narratives. And what are the two words? Daughter and whole. Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Be whole of thy plague. Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Actually, the word whole, which is the idea of her healing. So those are the two words of comfort. The idea that, that Jesus called this woman who He was not physically related to. Jesus had no children. Biological children. But He calls her what comfort Jesus calls you son he calls you daughter he's our everlasting father he's the prince of peace and then he says you're whole actually hey what's happened to you it's not temporary it's not your it's not imaginary you really are healed 12 years of pain and suffering exhaustive empty searching of spending all your money on doctors it, it's over You're healed. You really are whole. You know, when you're saved in Jesus Christ, embrace the truth that you're whole. So those are two comforting, I should call them two words of comfort. Those two words, daughter and whole. And then the last thing here, there were two words of comfort, but then he gives three, and I I put it this way, three comforting commands. Now this is an example where... Think of the difference between a New Testament command and an Old Testament command. And the Bible says in 1 John 5 that the commandments of God are not grievous. They're not burdensome. And what an example of that this is. That the commands of Jesus are so encouraging. They're empowering. The commands of Jesus are not grievous. They're not, they're not heavy weights. They're, they're, they're freeing words to give us power. And notice the three different commands here. And I've highlighted them also. Matthew has one command. And it's, be of good comfort. Which is the word, idea. Be of good cheer. Be confident. Be courageous. Is the word. And then in Mark, there are two commands. Go in peace. And be whole of thy plague. This is a command. Live out that wholeness in your healing. And then in Luke, there's two more commands. Be of good comfort. Which is also in Matthew. And go in peace. Which is also... In Mark. So those are the three different commands. Be of good comfort, which is the idea of be courageous and confident. Be whole of thy plague, which is to live out your live out your salvation. Live like one now who is no longer sick but healed through Jesus Christ. And go in peace. We have peace with God, and we can have the peace of God that passes. All understanding. So, beloved, receive His comforting words. His words of comfort. His commands of comfort. Receive His comforting words. Realize you cannot hide. You don't need a perfect faith to reach out and touch Jesus Christ. Even if you've had a long trail of failure, today I say to you, reach out and touch the Lord by faith and He will make you whole. And you can go in peace. Let's stand together as we pray. Let's pray. I'll ask our musicians to come.
as you reach out and touch the Lord, we're going to sing a song. He touched me. He'll meet your touch with His. As He reached out and touched that unclean leper, He reached out and He took, even in the story that follows, this dead young girl, the daughter of Jairus, by the hand, and He raised her up. Jesus will meet your touch with His. How many would say, Pastor Matt, I need to reach out and touch Jesus Christ today. I need His power. I need His love. I need His forgiveness. I need His hope that He can give. Have you lost hope? Reach out and touch the Lord. Do you feel weak? Reach out and touch the Lord. And let power come into your heart. The anointing of the Spirit of God. How many would say, yes, Pastor Matt, I need to reach out and touch Jesus Christ today. Just put your hand up to the Lord as a a sign of faith and a show of dependence on Him. Yes, Lord Jesus, You see us here. You see us. Lord Jesus, we thank You that You see us though no one else does. We need You today, God. Strengthen us. Give us wisdom. Give us courage to stand up for You, to come out out of hiding. And to not be ashamed of what you've done for us and in us by your grace. You can put your hands down. Is there anyone who'd say, Pastor Matt, if I were to die today, I'm not sure that I'm saved. But I need, I need Jesus to save me. I need to reach out and touch the Lord for eternal life and salvation. I'm not sure if I die today, I'd go to heaven. Pray for me, preacher. Is there anyone like that who'd say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus Christ to save me. Can I, can I see your hand? Is there anyone like that? And I want to encourage you t- today, dear, dear friend, as we've gone through this pandemic, we're coming out of it. We really are out of it. With November coming, we're going to have a delicious Thanksgiving meal the Sunday before Thanksgiving. That's a great Sunday to invite a friend to Heritage Baptist Church. Let's make that Sunday a friend day. And I want you to pray that God would help you to come out of your timidness and open your mouth, come out of your hole if you've been hiding in one, to tell somebody about Jesus. Tell them, invite them to our church on that Sunday before Thanksgiving. And invite them, say, we're going to have a delicious meal in our church after the service, and we want you to come and stay and enjoy a Thanksgiving feast with us. How many of you say, Pastor Matt, I'm going to try to... I'm not making you promise or vow. I'm not making you a vow. Don't worry. I'm going to say, I'm going to to pray and do my best to try to invite somebody to that service. Can I see your hand? Just just pray about it. And then as you put your hand up, say, pray. Say, Lord, who do you want me to invite? Now that I got my hand up in the air, hmm, who should I invite? Invite your friend. Invite a relative. Invite a co-worker. Invite your wife, invite your son, your daughter. You can put your hands down. Lord, please do a work. Here we are in this vast city, God. Many people don't want to hear what we have to say, but Lord, we want them only to hear you. We ask you to show mercy and bring salvation to many souls. Help us to be bold as this woman herself was bold. In Jesus' name, amen.